Happy Eucharistic Revival. Thank you. It's good to be reminded that we are in bits of a national Eucharistic Revival, and we are called to take our part in trying to bring people to love Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament more, and to help people that don't understand it to understand it, and for those who understand it to actually live it. Because Jesus is truly in our midst. He is right there. He is in this tabernacle. He is alive, and this is his home, and he is present in every tabernacle in the world. And that has been our truth and our belief and our practice for the last 2,000 years. As we are preparing for the culmination of the Eucharistic Revival, which will be a gathering of people from all over the United States of America in Indianapolis in the summer of 2024, our Archbishop is inviting us to participate as much as we can and to start a revival in our own local areas. So the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, if you're in Indianapolis and you go to 86th Street and you just draw that line all the way across the state of Indiana from Richmond to Terre Haute and go all the way down through the rest of Indiana, that is the Archdiocese of Indianapolis minus the Evansville area, which is its own diocese. The Archdiocese of Indianapolis is broken into 11 subgroups known as deaneries. We are in the Batesville deanery. Traveling on 74, the Batesville deanery begins in Shelbyville and comes all the way to the Ohio border and down to Aurora and Ohio County as well. So we have two riverboats in our uh, beautiful deanery. There are six counties that make up the Batesville deanery. Our dean, the priest who's in charge of us, is Father Michael Kucher. For those of you who know Father Michael Kucher, uh, he's a very dear friend of mine. The way that I would describe Father Michael Kucher is this. We're very similar, except he's like me on four cups of coffee, and he has a dog. So we're very similar and exactly the opposite in so many ways. But we are good friends, and the two of us actually met for coffee to talk about this invitation from the Archbishop that every deanery during Lent this year would do something profound to honor Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And as Father Kucher and I talked about the span, from, if you think about it, from Aurora up to Shelbyville, there's absolutely no relationship. So if we did like a one-time event, like the reality is most people aren't going to go. So we were like, well, what if we did lots of events? So we decided that there's six weeks in Lent, there's six counties, so what if we did something every week? And what if we did the same thing? So what we're going to be doing in the, deer, in the Batesville Deanery is we're going to have six 24-hour periods of Eucharistic Adoration hosted in each of the counties on Wednesday night till Thursday night. And then Thursday night, there'll be a prayer service with Eucharistic Benediction. We here in Dearborn County are going to kick this off on Ash Wednesday evening. So 24 hours of adoration will begin on Ash Wednesday evening, and then we'll conclude on Thursday with a prayer service and benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. And that'll actually begin here at the St. Joseph campus. We'll shift our perpetual adoration here, and that is, that, that, that's where we'll pray for the conversion, the revitalization, and the faith of everyone who lives in Dearborn County. We'll then continue the next week in Shelby County, and then Decatur County, Ohio County, Franklin County, and then concluding uh, at St. Nicholas in Ripley County. 
Now, in Ohio County, there are no Catholic churches. There's Catholics, but there's no Catholic churches. So that Eucharistic revival will actually take place at St. Mary's in Aurora, which is always spiritually cared for the people in Ohio County. So more information will be coming, but I think it's this great opportunity for us to begin to intentionally pray for specific people, for specific parishes, and that the revival in a belief in Jesus may come about in a very, very profound way. So that's what's happening on the deanery level. Locally, at our own parish, as you know, for Lent, for several years, we've been having what we refer to as soup and spirituality on Sunday evenings. We're going to continue with that, but it's going to look different. For the Eucharistic revival, soup and spirituality will begin the same with soup in the parish hall, but then we'll shift to the church, and instead of just having a talk in a hall, we're going to have a Eucharistic adoration in the church, and Father Mann is going to lead prayers and meditations and catechesis in the context of adoration. So I know for many of you, you begin thinking right now, like, what am I going to do for Lent this year? Your thought might be, hey, you want to know what? I'm going to go to all six closing prayer services and benedictions. Or I'm going to, on Wednesday or Thursday or in the middle of the night, go on pilgrimage to these six places participating in the deanery revival. Or I might participate in the soup and spirituality and go to those opportunities of adoration. So a deanery level, parish level, and now I'd like to speak a little bit on the national level. Part of the national Eucharistic revival is the fact that they have chosen two saints to lead the way. St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia and Blessed Carlos Acutis. I'll speak about them in just a little bit. But these two saints have been chosen to be the patron saints of our revival here in the United States. He was praying. And just to know, I will be passing out, as you leave Mass today, there are pieces of paper that look like this, and you'll be getting those as you leave Holy Mass today. St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia was born in 1877 in Spain. And if you've ever wondered what seminarians do in seminary besides studying theology, they dream. They dream about what their parish will be like. They dream about what their assignment will be like. They dream about their priesthood. And then for a lot of priests, to be very honest with you, they get ordained and they go to their first assignment and everything they dreamt of is not a reality. And in fact, for many of them, they experience everything that would have been a nightmare. And I actually think that one of the reasons why we have a lot of priests who end up a mediocre and in trouble is because of their first assignment. Their dreams are crushed, and then no one ever builds them back up and teaches them to dream again. St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia was one of these priests. When he was in seminary, he dreamt about Eucharistic processions and Eucharistic adoration. He dreamt of young people for, that he would catechize. And he arrived at his first assignment from the diocese, and his parish had been abandoned. The last priest actually just left the parish and moved out of the parish. The church had been abandoned. There were cobwebs and filth everywhere. And on the tabernacle, where Jesus dwelt, there were cobwebs growing on the tabernacle. St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia arrived at the church that day. He went to the church. He noticed all the filth all the abandonment, and he went and knelt before the tabernacle, and he had this spiritual experience. And our Lord placed on his heart a desire not to run and not to settle, but to offer his life 
as a sacrifice and in reparation and an atonement for sins against the Blessed Sacrament and particularly for the abandonment that Jesus often feels, well, Jesus, that Jesus does feel in the tabernacles throughout the world. If we think about Jesus on Holy Thursday when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and all of his apostles run away and he is abandoned, That is how Jesus feels in so many Catholic churches throughout the world, where he is locked up, he is forgotten, he has been put into a closet, and there is no Eucharistic adoration or devotion in that parish. And so St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia decided to dedicate his life to bringing about life and a fervent devotion and belief in Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, so much so that he even wrote in his his last wishes to be buried at the foot of a Catholic church church altar so that his bones, his physical body, would remain close to a tabernacle for the rest of his life until Christ comes again. St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia is clearly a priest who speaks about parish renewal, revitalization, and most importantly, about having everyone in that parish have a specific, clear, and intentional devotion to Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. That Eucharistic devotion is not just for some, it is for everyone. Because Jesus says, I am the living bread that come down from heaven. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia, tremendous saint, and you'll read information about him uh, as you leave Holy Mass today. Second is Blessed Carlo Acutis. And this saint, of course, has gained a little bit more popularity than St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia. He currently is a blessed, so he is not yet at the state of being declared a saint, but he clearly is on his way. He died at the age of 15. He's a millennial. He was born in 1991. I was in eighth grade in 1991. When he is canonized a saint, he will be the third youngest canonized saint in the Roman Catholic Church who is not a martyr. So there are many saints who die as martyrs who choose to die because they believe in the saints. In fact, every young child here for the last nine years that has gone to one of my first communion masses, we talk about St. Tarsicus, who died defending the Blessed Sacrament. Blessed Carlos Acutis will be the third youngest canonized saint who did not die as a martyr. He died of leukemia. The two other saints, by the way, we have statues of in the back of the church at our shrine of Our Lady of Fatima. Jacinta and Francesco, the two Fatima visionaries. Blessed Carlo Acutis lived in Italy, and he lived the life of a lot of Italian boys. He liked soccer. He loved technology. He was a gamer, but that's not what he spent his life doing. In fact, once he received our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, he would drag his parents to church because he was thoroughly convinced that Jesus was there and there was nothing better for him to do than to receive Jesus. So as a young child, he became a daily communicant, not because his parents took him to church, but because he begged his parents to take him to Holy Mass because he wanted to receive Jesus again and again and again. Eventually, as he grew older... He learned about Eucharistic miracles when bread and wine substantially become the flesh and blood of Jesus, but also the outward appearance actually becomes real flesh and real blood. 
And he began researching them and studying them. And he talked to his friends in school and like nobody knew about Eucharistic miracles. And he was like, how does nobody know about this? This is like the greatest thing in the world. We have this great treasure. So he decided to create a website. He, when you read about Eucharistic miracles, the flesh that is studied by scientists, it always ends up being heart tissue, tissue from the heart. And the scientists can tell actually that the Eucharistic miracle, that muscle, is actually from a man, and that the man has severely been beaten and is in agony. Carlos Acutis reading this again and again as he was diagnosed with leukemia, realized that he was called to suffer and that he shouldn't waste his suffering. I'm 46 years old and sometimes I wake up and I'm in pain because of the stupid things that I do because I sometimes think that I'm 18 years old and sometimes I, I waste my sufferings because I complain or I just feel miserable. Carlos Acutis, he did not waste any of the sufferings. In fact, a regular prayer that he would offer was this. I offer all my sufferings today and all that I will suffer to the Lord for the Pope and for the conversion of the church. At the age of 15, he would say on a regular basis, there are so many people who suffer so much more than me. How many of us need to learn from the Eucharist, from the suffering sacred heart of Jesus and from Carlos Acutis, how we are called to offer up our sufferings. I will tell you that my dear friend, Father Hollowell, prior to him having that surgery, he was geared up for this. He, we, we had instructions that were given to us the day before, actually the night before he had surgery. He wanted a band stripped to his wrist saying that I'm offering my sufferings for the victims of sexual clergy abuse. Every day, he said, I want you to read. If I am unconscious, if I am paralyzed, which he was both of, and unable to speak, I want you to read the list of all the victims every single day at my bedside. And his mother and I would do so. And tears would literally roll down his cheeks as he offered his sufferings for those victims. How many of us can learn from blessed Carlo Acutis to offer up our sacrifices and our sufferings for the salvation of the world? Blessed Carlos Acutis also has this great quote, which I think every single one of us should spend lots of time meditating, particularly all of our young people. He says this, All people are born as originals, but many die as photocopies. All people are born as originals, but many die as photocopies. A 15-year-old boy who has the wisdom to realize how many of his classmates, how many of his friends fell into mediocrity, minimalism, because they just wanted to be like their friend instead of being the person that God uniquely created them to be. Imagine how our world would look if everyone strove for greatness in their own unique way that God desired them to be. Blessed Carlos Acutis is a great reminder to us, as is St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia, that God wants you and I to be saints. He wants you and I to change the world. He wants you and I to make a difference in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. Our gospel passage today says this. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. It's set on a lampstand where it gives light to all those in the house. Just so... 
your light must shine that others may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly father. We know the good deeds of St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia. We know the good deeds of blessed Carlo Acutis. We know them. And what should it call us to do to glorify our heavenly father? We can look at the healing of Father Hallowell and what should it do? We should know the good deed that God has done and it should help us to glorify our heavenly father. We as Catholics have this huge tradition of venerating saints. It's not about the saint. Why? Because it's about glorifying our Heavenly Father who does good and mighty deeds in our brothers and sisters so that, why? We can praise the Lord. In just a few days, in fact, in 10 days, these relics of Blessed Carlos, that there will be healings, that there will be miracles that will be brought about through these relics traveling across the United States of America that will happen because of people traveling to Indianapolis in 2024 for the Eucharistic National Congress, because that's what God does when we open ourselves, when we surrender ourselves. So I want to encourage you to totally nerd out or geek out and binge on these two saints. St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia has a very, very thin book out about him called The Bishop of the Abandoned Tabernacle. For any of you who have an hour of Eucharistic adoration, which I encourage all of you to have, it is, that would be gold, like be straight gold money to take that in front of our Lord and just allow it to enter into your heart. There is more on the internet about Blessed Carlo Acutis than one could even digest. I watched a video the other day. It was like a full-length movie about his life. I watched it in double speed, and it was made in, uh, I believe, in Poland, and it was dubbed in English uh, with, with, with English voices, but it was phenomenal just to learn more about these saints, to be inspired by those who have gone before us and have lived the faith well. So I encourage you to study the saints, to live the saints, and to allow this revival to be what it's supposed to be which is to revive you and me in our belief that Jesus is right there. That he loves you, and he has a plan for you, and he wants you to be a saint. Through God's grace, may it be so. Thank you, gentlemen.